Well, I give you a very warm welcome on this uh, very warm day. Good to have you here at our anniversary service. We've probably thrown a few people or made it a bit busier for people by having a seven o'clock start, so we might get some people uh, drifting in. Uh, hopefully not a concentration at half seven, but maybe there will be some who haven't uh, clocked the change of time. Uh, but uh, we wanted to have refreshments afterwards and I wanted to give a uh, good time for Luke to get back and also wanted it to be a bit distinctive as an anniversary service. So that's why we've got uh, uh, the earlier time. So I welcome you here, any watching online or afterwards, watching the recording. And big welcome to Luke Crowter, who is a preacher this evening. We're grateful for you coming, uh, Luke, from north of London. Uh, Luke is involved with uh, a church uh, near Enfield, uh, Silver Street Evangelical, or is it just Silver? Sorry? Silver Street Community Church, which is uh, a church which has been planted about seven years, and uh, Luke's been involved with the work there for about five years. So we're really pleased to have uh, Luke here. Many of you know Luke because of his connections with us in the past, and we're grateful to have him here preaching God's word to us. Uh, we're going to uh, start with a hymn. It's our anniversary service, so in a minute we're going to have a hymn, but I'm going to read a few verses just to lead us in. The hymn is going to be, Great is Thy Faithfulness, so it gives us a chance to unite together, sense of praise to God for his goodness to us over so many years as a church. But uh, the, verses, the, the verses of the hymn are based on some verses from the Bible, so let me just read from... Lamentation 3 to lead in. The the situation is dark, as you know, in Lamentations, but then from verse 21 of Lamentations 3, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Well, with that in our minds and conscious it's an anniversary time, shall we sing to God's praise then our first song, which is, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee.
Well, we're going to have our prayer time now. Uh, as you know, or anyone who's uh, at all involved with the work of the church know, uh, our deacons do a lot in the life of the church and have done so much over so many years. I thought I'd ask three of them to lead us in prayer this evening on our anniversary time. And uh, uh, so Malcolm and Dave and Steve Baldwin are going to come up and uh, encourage them to have a slightly different focus each. Malcolm thinking of the past, Dave thinking of the present, and Steve thinking of the future. So please do come up and lead us in prayer. Gentlemen, thank you. Thanks to God. And as the Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonians, he says this, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Well, let's pray. Great and almighty God, Lord, we do come and gather together in reverence uh, before a holy God. And we come with praise in our hearts and On our lips, we have already done that with our first song. And Lord, we do do that now as we pray to give you the honour. Lord God, we do come then with grateful hearts. And we're thankful for the history of this church. Lord, over that long period of time, we have... Uh, seen your amazing power and uh, the works of your spirit in the lives of your people here. Lord, over those 190 years, Lord, you have uh, sent people to to lead us, to lead us in uh, ministry, um, to present and proclaim the good news of the gospel to us. Lord, you have raised up leaders in the Sunday school to to teach the the children. And Lord, we have seen children come to know the living God, come to recognise their need and to confess their sins and have come to join the church. And Lord, we can come with thanks that the, the local uh, children sometimes have come and been converted. And Lord, we know of some who um, have grown to serve uh, in other churches. Lord, we do thank you for uh, bringing us uh, through some tough times. You have been uh, good to us and strengthening us and encouraging us during those uh, many years. We thank you for your love and care to us uh, as a church and to us personally. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy and grace, that undeserved favour that you have showered upon us uh, down through the uh, decades and generations. Lord, we do thank you for all those that have come to know you 
since the beginning of the vision of one to set up a place of worship here 190 years ago. And Lord, you have been, as we sung, faithful to us uh, through that whole period. Lord, we can uh, remember key personalities even in our uh, lifetime, in the recent years that you have given to us to, to guide and to lead and to direct. And Lord, we thank you uh, for them. Lord, we do thank you then for, for this day, for this anniversary and for your goodness to us. And Lord, we acknowledge uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness, that covering that covers the sins of all your people and makes them a right before God. Lord, we pray for that, that gospel to continue. Uh, as we um, continue in prayer, we do ask that you'll be with us and bless us. And may we express those things that are in your heart and in your mind, that these things may be done all in accordance uh, with your will. Lord, we thank you as we come asking your forgiveness on failures, asking your blessing on us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, do help us to continue in prayer. Lord, we need your help. We need your spirit. Come and fill this place this evening with your presence, with your spirit. And may we know, each one of us, that you have been with us here this night. And Lord, as we have been thanking you for the many, many mercies of the past, we commit today to you. We commit this present time. And Lord, we thank you for your servants that you have given us as a church. We thank you, Lord, for our Pastor John. And we thank you for Mark. And, O oh Lord, we pray that you will mightily bless them. And you will mightily, and in blessing them, Lord, to mightily bless their ministry amongst us. Lord, as they bring your word to us week by week, day by day almost, with the many tasks they have. Lord, we commit them into your care. And, O oh Lord, as they labour very hard to spread the seed of your word, we're reminded, O oh Lord, you told us in your word that not all the seed falls on good ground. 
Lord, you reminded us that sometimes the birds come and take it away. And so, Lord, we pray that you would scare off those birds, keep them away from us, that the seed might grow. And, Lord, you also told us that sometimes the seed goes on to rocky ground. Oh, Lord, do do away with those rocks. Do cultivate that soil in people's hearts. Make that soil rich so that your seed grows. And then again, Lord, you said that sometimes the seed starts to grow but the thorns and the weeds come along. Oh Lord, kill those weeds. Lord, get rid of them. And oh Lord, we do pray that many, many that come here might receive the seed and in return, oh Lord, may they yield a hundredfold for your glory. Oh Lord, we do pray that you would revive us, revive your church, revive us as individuals, revive this land, revive this world. May we know the outpouring of your spirit. So as we remember this anniversary time, we pray, oh Lord, that we might know this time as a start of a a real revival. Come in your power, dear Lord Jesus, and fill us with your presence. We pray that you would help Luke as he brings your word to us in a minute. Oh Lord, bless him and pray that his words may be your words and that you might bless in each of our souls what we're going to learn and hear this evening. Forgive us, O Lord, because we're unworthy servants. But bless us, Lord, because we are your children and we are your family. And, O Lord, we just thank you so much. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his salvation. And we thank you for his spirit that works amongst us. And Lord, as we have looked back, we think of the present, Lord, we we look forward. And as we look forward, we don't know what the future has in store. Lord, we pray that you would give us faith as we go forward. That you would help us to depend on you and to look to you. We thank you for your word that says you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
Lord, we look to you to guide us and lead us and help us. Lord, we pray that in this place there may be the gospel preached till you come again. Lord, we pray that there will be godly people in this place till you come again. Lord, we pray that you would raise up men and women to serve you in this church. Lord, we pray for the young people of today and Lord, we pray that you would be working in their lives, that you would be raising up men and women to serve you in this place. Lord, we pray that your spirit might be at work preparing new leaders for this church. Lord, we pray that you would be strengthening us to go forward. But Lord, we pray that all that we do and all that we seek to do in the future may be for your honour and for your glory. Lord, we look to you to provide for the needs in the future. Lord, we know that there are needs, especially amongst the young people and the Sunday school work. Lord, do provide. And Lord, we pray that as we've been able to look look back and think of how you have been so faithful in the past, Lord, we look to you and we trust you for all that's to come. And we depend on you and we look to you. So be with us now and continue with us and give us a spirit of praise and worship as we think of uh, all your goodness to us through so many years, as we pray all in the name of the Lord Jesus and for your honour and your glory. Amen. Thank you. Well, I'm sure we felt a sense of amen in our hearts and maybe in our lips as well in response to the things that uh, we've been praying over together. Well, we still keep a a sense of past, present and future in our next hymn. So our next hymn is God of the Ages, History's Maker, Planning Our Pathway, Holding Us Fast, Shaping in Mercy All That Concerns Us. Father, we praise you, Lord of the past. So shall we sing through our second song?
Well, we have our Bible readings now, and they're both from the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra will be in chapter 1 and chapter 3. I've got the page number here, actually. So, 389, if you're using the church Bible. So, the first reading is at the start of Ezra, so it will set the scene for the book. We'll be reading the first five verses, and then we'll be reading some verses from chapter 3, which is a special uh, focus or passage of Luke's message um, later on. So, Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor, in whatever place he sojourns, be assisted by the men of his place, with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, beside free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And then over the page to chapter 3 and reading verses 1 to 6. When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Jeshua, the son of Josadak, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, with his kinsmen, And they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set the altar in its place for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. And they kept the feast of booths as it is written and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule as each day required. And after that, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings at the new moon and at the appointed feasts of the Lord and the offerings of everyone who made a free will offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. Well, we look forward to hearing that preach from later on. And I will just uh, remind you, as I said a bit earlier, that there are refreshments available after the service, so you're very welcome to stay for those. 
Well, we come then to our our next song, which I think leads in nicely to uh, what uh, Luke is preaching on. And it starts in a very appropriate way as well, Lord of the Church. Good for us to remember that on our church anniversary, Lord of the Church. We pray for our renewing, Christ over all, our undivided aim. Let's sing our next song through. Thank you for your uh, warm welcome. It really is a, a privilege, an honour 
to be with you on this uh, church anniversary. Don't worry, I put my Bible back down, but only because there is another Bible in the pulpit. We will need a Bible today. Um, Page 390, if you could turn back there, or to Ezra chapter 3, wherever that is in your Bible. Let's pray, shall we, as we turn to God's word. Father in heaven, we ask please that you would create in us hearts which are good soil, ready to receive the the seed of your word tonight, that you would implant your word, cause it to take root and to flourish and to grow. We need your help with that. We ask for your spirits to move amongst us through your word and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, You're moving into a a new house or or a flat, but it's actually not a new house or flat, because as you uh, move into this house, and you are moving in, you're literally physically moving in, but every single room is a complete state. Everything is broken, nothing is working, everything needs to be refurbished or repaired. So where do you start? You can answer that question. Where would you start in, in that case? What's the first thing that you would fix? Anyone? Kitchen. Kitchen. We know where your heart is, Tony. (laughs) Straight for the kitchen. Fair enough. Anyone else? The roof. The roof, yeah. You probably need something to cover your head, right? Yeah, maybe the toilet. You probably need a toilet that works. Running water, that would be good. You need to start with the things that you, you can't do without, the things that are the most important. You probably don't start with the spare room or the understairs cupboard. You start with the most important things, first things first. Uh, The book of Ezra is about the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, God's people, the Israelites, have been away in exile and now they've returned and the temple is in ruins. Ezra is all about Project Rebuilt. And as the Israelites start the temple repair work, where they begin tells us something about the priorities of Project Rebuild. As you here at Forest Folds continue to rebuild after the disruptions of COVID, what should be your foundational priorities? As you look back on 190 years of God's faithfulness to his people in this place, as you look forward to all that the Lord will do in the future, what is it that should be right at the centre of your plans, right at the top of your priorities? Well, where do the Israelites begin? Chapter 3, verse 1. When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Notice how they gather as one man together. This isn't just a project for the select few. Everyone is invested. They are united in purpose. And so they gather at the building site with a job to do. Uh, The project managers are there. Verse 2, you've got Jeshua. He's the high priest. He's the religious leader. You've also got Zerubbabel, who's the civil leader. And together, they make a start. And what is the first thing that they do? Again, you can answer that question for me. I'm not going to do all the work tonight. Uh, Verse 2, what is the first thing that they do? The first thing that they build? 
the altar. First things first. Notice verse 6. This is before the foundations of the temple have been built. Verse 7, it's before all of the materials had been ordered. So before they've gone down to B&Q to get all of the stuff that they need for the actual temple rebuilding, first they get the altar in place. First things first. And so on this church anniversary, I want to lay before you tonight two priorities that you must have and continue to have as you carry on in this great building project, God's great building project today, which is of course not a temple, but his body, the church. So here's the first priority. Do things by the book. That's number one. Do things by the book. That's the first lesson that we learn from the Israelites' example, to do things by the book. Um, Some of you have known me since I was about this high, or even smaller. I am now at the stage where I've got ones this high and a bit smaller. So I've got a six Six-year-old boy, he's Zach, a four-year-old boy called JJ, Joseph Josiah, and a two-year-old girl called Safi. And particularly with the older, older boy, the two older ones, the boys, um, I love building Lego with them. In fact, I think it's pretty much just an excuse for me to build Lego, and I do actually have a couple of grown-up ones for myself, um, stuff like this. And with the, when you get a new Lego kit, it's very exciting because in, in the box, as well as the hundreds of tiny little pieces, you also get one of these instruction books. And this instruction book is really important because with Lego, if you, if you try and just do it by yourself and think, I think I know better, you get one piece slightly wrong in slightly the wrong place or just the other way round or it's just a slightly different piece from the one that you actually need, it doesn't work anymore. It's really important that you take each instruction as it goes and do things step by step according to the book. Well, so it is with the Israelites, with God's people. God had spelled out for them how to live in relationship with him. Moses had written it down. Their parents and their grandparents had drifted from God's words. But now there is a renewed commitment to the law. Look how careful they are to do things by the book. Verse 2. Um, then arose Jeshua, the son of Josadak, with his fellow priests, the rubber They built the altar of, of God, of the God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Verse 4. They kept the Feast of Booths as it is written. They offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule as each day required. They wanted to do things exactly the way that God had laid it out through Moses. Even when it came to exactly where the altar should be located. Verse 3, they set the altar in its place. With the original temple, King David had planned exactly where everything should be. King Solomon had built it following those plans. And now the Israelites, as they refurbish and rebuild, they want to make sure that they match the original blueprints. They weren't trying to do do things in a new, snazzy way. They were going back to the old ways, just as God had said Their concern was not to be flashy, but faithful. This is reformation, a fresh return to God's word. This is a a top priority for them as they start 
project rebuild. First things first, do things by the book. The word of the Lord reveals how to live in relationship with him. God has spelled it out. Jesus has lived it out. Like no one else has done or could ever do, Jesus lived by the book. Jesus lived by the letter of the law. With Jesus, there was no need for any reformation or repentance because he never drifted away from the word, not even an inch. Not in his actions, not in his words, not in his motives or his attitudes. Jesus himself said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he lived that. Age 12, hungrily feeding on the word as he sat learning in the temple. At his wilderness temptation, wielding the sword of the spirit to fend off the devil's attacks. Whatever Satan threw at him, he was ready with the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. He lived by the book. And not only did Jesus keep the law, he fulfilled it. Everything that was written in the Old Testament was written about him. He is the one that the Old Testament writers were pointing towards. And so he then is our model, the ultimate example of how to do things by the book. And this has to be a foundational priority for us and our project rebuild. To do things by the book. In in many ways, um, the last few years has kind of brought us into a new chapter in lots of ways, right? It feels like a kind of fresh start, a new chapter. But in this new chapter, what we need is the old, old story. In an ever-changing world, what we need is the never-changing word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we never change. In fact, as local churches, there is no need for us to cling on to traditions that are not rooted in the Bible. In fact, in the way that we do things, we need to be agile in order to meet the particular challenges and opportunities of our community and our culture. But one thing that we can never compromise on is the written word of God. Sadly, many churches do. But to move on from the old, old story is not progressive, it's backwards. What we need, what the church needs, what our community needs, what our culture needs is reformation. A renewed commitment to the incarnate word of God, Jesus, as he is known in the written word of God, the Bible. First things first. Do you know, I've, I've known Forrest Fold for a long time. Um, I owe a great debt to many of the people in this room, many of the people in that graveyard. I have uh, many fond memories from on that field, from in that uh, Sunday school room, that hall on the side, from in this room as well. And I'm so grateful that all over this site, the site of this church, I've been taught the word of God. In fact, I counted up at least ten distinct rooms or areas around this site where people have opened up God's word to me. 
The Bible is the centre of all that is done here at Forest Fold, and so I urge you to keep it that way. As you rebuild with fresh opportunities to move forward, never move on from the old, old story. This book, the faithful teaching of this book, must be at the heart of all that we do. Because the one who wrote this book is our highest authority. So what we believe, what we do, the way that we do things, must be shaped and informed by this book. May that always be true of you together as a church. May it always be true of us as individuals. Can I ask you individually, is this book at the heart of your life? Are you familiar with your Bible? Do you listen to God's voice each day? When you haven't got enough time to do everything in a day, do you put first things first? Do you seek, with his help, by his spirit, to obey him step by step? Or do we act like we know better? If we're going to do things by the book, we need to know the book, to know the one who speaks through the book. Can you think of a a Christian brother or sister, maybe someone from the history of this church, maybe someone who was prayed about and given thanks for earlier on. Can you think of a Christian brother or sister who just seemed to breathe the Bible? Just like God's word was, was always there, just under the surface, ready to spill out. Someone who always seemed to bring to mind a relevant verse in a situation. Wouldn't you love to be like that? That's what we need. May that encourage us to put first things first, to do things by the book. And here's the second first thing, which might sound like a contradiction, but you'll see that they are tightly linked together. So the second thing is to keep the cross central. Keep the cross central. So recap with me, what was the first thing that they built? The altar. altar. Why did they build the altar first? Verse 2. What's the purpose of the altar? Yeah, absolutely. Sacrifices to God. To offer burnt offerings on it, as it says there in verse 2. This is why they needed to build the altar as soon as possible, because they needed somewhere to make their burnt offerings. That's the priority, and so that's what they do. Verse 3, they build the altar and they get the sacrifices back up and running, both in the morning and in the evening, as required by the law of Moses, by the book. Now, as well as the daily sacrifices, the seventh month was a big one in their religious calendar, a bit like maybe Easter time for us. There was a bunch of different festivals and holy days, and so they celebrate these ones as well, including verse 4, the Feast of Booths. Uh, Jesus celebrated the Feast of Booths in John chapter 7. It, It was a week during which the Israelites would live in temporary shelters to recall how their ancestors lived in the wilderness to remember that they had now been brought to permanent homes. And so for the returning exiles, this celebration surely took on fresh meaning. A reminder not only of the wilderness journey in Exodus, you know, to the promised land, but also of their own journey back from exile. A celebration of the homes that had now been restored to them again. Verse 5. And after that, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings at the new moon, 
and uh, all the appointed festivals of the Lord, and the offerings of everyone who had made a free will offering to the Lord. Lots of offerings. From this point on, the altar was in heavy use as the regular rhythm of sacrifices resumes each day and on special days. Sacrifices formed the shape of each day and indeed the calendar of each year. Sacrifices were the heartbeat of Israelites' life. And so as that heartbeat is restored into a healthy rhythm, so Israelites' spiritual life revives. That's why they built the altar before anything else. Because sacrifice is the basis for relationship with God. And that's something that they could not do without for any length of time. They couldn't wait for the temple to be finished first. It ended up taking 20 years. And just like you wouldn't want to be without a roof or a water supply for, or a kitchen for any length of time. So the Israelites put first things first and prioritised the most essential thing. Long before the temple was finished, it was functional. The altar goes up, the sacrifices resume, the regular rhythm of relationship is restored. Sacrifice is the basis for relationship with God. It's very odd for us to think about burning animals on an altar But for God's people back then, that was the way that God had prescribed. Yes, it's extreme, but so was the problem. Yes, it's extreme, but it's better than the alternative. Every single one of us has a debt that we could never pay. God made us for relationship with him. He walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the garden. But ever since they turned their back on him, we do the same. The penalty for such outright rejection of our beautiful creator is a broken relationship with him and death forever apart from him. Death is the price that we pay for going our own way. But God in his kindness, despite our wickedness, has provided an alternative, a substitute. Death is the price for rejecting the God of life. Either we pay or someone else does. And that's why an animal needed to be killed. Every time an animal was slaughtered on the altar was a graphic reminder. A noisy, smelly, messy reminder that it should have been you. A reminder that because that animal is burnt up, you won't be. For the Israelites, the altar was central. Through the death of an animal, sin was dealt with and relationship restored. And as you know, sacrifice is just as foundational for us. First things first, keep the cross central. Sacrifice is still the basis of relationship with God. But of course, we do not rely on the blood of bulls and goats, which can never take away sins. They were only ever temporary, a stopgap to leave us longing for Jesus to come. Jesus is the same name as Jeshua, which we had in verse 2. It means the Lord saves. Just like Jeshua, son of Josadak, Jesus is our high priest who offered the required sacrifice, his spotless self. On the cross, Jesus took our sin and paid our price 
suffering the fire of God's anger so that as we ask him for forgiveness, we will not be burnt up. That's good news. This was not just another sacrifice in a long line of regular sacrifices, but rather the sacrifice of Jesus as once for all, an offering so perfect that it paid for all of the sin of every person across the whole of history who trusts in him. And we know that it did the job because unlike those dead and burnt up animals, Jesus rose again. The once for all sacrifice of Jesus fulfills and transcends the regular rhythm of animal sacrifices. The altar that we come to is in the shape of a cross. And sacrifice remains the heartbeat of spiritual life. It is the basis of relationship with God and so it must be our highest priority to keep the cross central. One of the blessings of sharing the Lord's Supper together, one of the reasons that we must gather together physically, if at all possible, to share that meal, is that it is a regular reminder of the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. It helps us to keep the cross central. As you here at Forest Fold look back at what's gone, look ahead to what's to come. Keep the cross central in all that you do. We must remove the temptation to remove the cross from the church. One of the interesting things that happened in lockdown was that churches actually got some good press once for once in a while. Um, People enjoyed the fact that churches were doing things like delivering food parcels and drawing together community spirit and looking after vulnerable people and and all of that kind of thing. And people did begin to appreciate the good that churches were doing. And so we could tell ourselves, well, that seems to work. Maybe that's our way ahead. That's what we should do. That's our priority. It would be tempting to focus on the good that we do that makes people happy And some of those things might be good things to do, but not at the expense of the cross. Jesus and Jesus alone is what we have to offer our community. Jesus and Jesus alone is what our broken world really needs. The world would love us to do good and leave out God. People tend to be not quite so positive about the message of Jesus and the offence of the cross. But without the cross, there is no relationship with God. We could spend all year helping with people's desperate needs without ever addressing their deepest need. So we do both. In all that we do, in all that we say, we must keep the cross central. When you're speaking to your friends, family members, neighbours, colleagues about your faith, Don't be ashamed of Jesus and the cross. It's all you've got to offer. Is the cross the heartbeat of your life? Like the Israelites, do you come to the altar every day, morning and evening, as well as on special days of particular remembrance and celebration, like a Sunday or like a Thursday? Does the cross shape your daily and your weekly rhythm? Do you repent regularly, receiving that fresh forgiveness? First things first. Do things by the book and keep the cross central. Even when people around us cause us to fear, verse 3, 
they set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord morning and evening. Back in the land, the Israelites find themselves surrounded by hostile people who had their own religions. Religions of tolerance. They were happy to worship a mix of gods. But this single-minded devotion to the Lord and to his temple, that's suspicious. They're surrounded by people who are not happy with Project Rebuild. But despite this, perhaps because of this, they build the altar as a matter of urgency. They knew just how much they needed God. In a similar way, we will come under pressure to compromise on these things, to tone down bits of the Bible, to soften our stance on that particular area, to reinterpret things through 21st century eyes, to stop banging on about the cross, stop insisting on the importance of Jesus. If we keep first things first, In the name of tolerance, we will not be tolerated. And yet, despite fear of people around us, we must never leave this foundation to do things by the book and to keep the cross central. First things first, both individually and together as a local church. I've I've known Forest Fold for a long time, all of my life actually, and many of you have known this church for a lot longer than that. But I praise God that no one here has known this church for the whole time that it's existed. That's actually a really good thing. The word of God was preached, the cross was central in this place, long before any of us were ever born. As a pastor of a seven-year-old church, I find that really encouraging and really inspiring. I pray that Silver Street Community Church will outlive all of its current members. That it will be built up and strong and firm and established, not just for seven years, but for 190 years and then some. And I pray that for you guys too. I pray that you would be faithful. You would keep going for another 190 years, unless the Lord Jesus returns first. And here's how that's going to happen. Here's how it's going to happen. As God enables us, by his grace, by his spirit, to put first things first, to do things by the book, and to keep the cross central. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Our Father in heaven, We're so grateful today for your great faithfulness over many years, both to this church family here, but to all of your people worldwide for all of time. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Israelites. Thank you for the revival and the rebuilding that happened here in the time of Ezra. And we pray for us too, that we would be those both at Silver Street and especially here at Forest Fold, where the first things remain the first things. We pray that we would never move on from the faithful reading, preaching and teaching of your word. I pray that we would be often at the foot of the cross, 
keeping the cross central in all that we do and say to others. We pray that so that your name would be glorified and honoured, so that your people would flourish and grow in this place for many, many, many years to come. We pray it all for your glory. Amen. We're going to sing one more time a song which points us to all that we have in Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. So if you're able to stand, please do, and we'll sing together.
need the Lord's help in all of these things. And so the final words of the book of Jude are a great encouragement to us. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.